Good day, dear listeners. Steve Prada here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And today I have with me RJ Grimshaw, the CEO and president of Unified Equipment Finance, which he grew from 13 million in revenue to 18 million in two years. RJ sits on the board of the Equipment Leasing and Finance Association, and he is a head coach with USA Hockey. RJ, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Real quick correction. I coach not for USA Hockey, but in, within USA Hockey. So I don't want to mislead anyone that I'm actually coaching uh, the USA Hockey team. But we have actually a side note where I live is where USA Hockey is based for the whole country. And they bring in the top 20 players, 17 and 18 year olds every year to play for USA. And typically that's your Olympic team. So I, I again, I don't want to confuse anyone or anyone think, geez, RJ is really getting ahead of himself thinking that he's coaching USA hockey. But I am a, a certified level four coach for USA hockey and I've coached for uh, close to 20 years. So it's it's one of my passions. I, I just love the, the sport. But more importantly, I just love, you know, the life application you can, you know, teach players. Yeah, and uh, definitely. And building a hockey team is not completely dissimilar from building an, an effective business team, right, who can execute a playbook and to score some some profitable goals and and get things moving right that's spot on and and there's a lot of parallels between team sports and business uh, on, on a daily basis so we actually search within unify for athletes that have a, a background and it doesn't have to be a high level if they just played in high school or or club or, or things of that nature that means that they understand what it takes and the sacrifices discipline and more most importantly a compete level uh, to strive for excellence. So I, I think that there's a lot of parallels between any af- a- athletics and in, in, in the business world. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree. And when I was running my own company, I was always looking for as well. I was always welcoming former athletes because I knew that they understood how to strive and how to persevere and how to overcome challenges which in business and entrepreneurship are a given, right? And it, and it continues to, on a daily basis, those attributes uh, continue to be pressed more and more in the world that we live in and what everything's been thrown at us over the last couple of years. Uh, and, and it seems like it, it's not going away anytime soon now with, with the other challenges relative to human capital and supply chain and things of that nature. So again, there's if you built those attributes at a younger age and now you can rely on those um, and continue to build those muscles in regards to the the adjectives that you just said it's 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 important yeah they say that winning is a habit so let's let's start with your entrepreneurial journey you grew up in a family business I believe and you got your first start with with a couple of businesses so can mm-hmm. you tell uh, us a little bit about how you got started and how you end up uh, running uh, an equipment leasing uh, company? Sure. Uh, I, I guess I picked my parents correctly because they're both entrepreneurs. My dad was a successful business owner and my mom supported him. And one of the first businesses that they had was a, a mobile home park that they actually built from dirt up and, and built it to 40 units and maintained it for over 20 years and then ultimately sold it out to private equity firm. And I was part of that and saw what it took in terms of discipline evening hours, weekends, and and things of that nature. I was young when they started it back in 1969. That was the year I was born in terms of the true hard work uh, of, of laying electrical and things of that nature. But um, I was able to witness that. And then my dad owned several businesses. And then ultimately started my brother and I 
in our first business at the age of 23. I was actually in the U.S. Air Force, and at that time, home on a family leave, and I was in his home office and, and saw in his home office a listing for a bar restaurant. And I said, Dad, what are you what are you what are you thinking about here? And he said, Well, you know, I've always dreamed of owning a a bar, and but I can't do it on my on my own, of course. So I, I would need someone to help me. And I said, Well, you've got a eligible candidate right here. And the next morning we went to for breakfast and we met with the realtor and lo and behold, within six months, I was out of the air force. And the timing was they were, they were uh, cutting back resources in the, in the military. So the timing was great. Came back and, and refurbed. The building was built in 1937. So we had to do a complete refurb of the building and we took it from concept to close to, you know, a million dollars in revenues. And that was during the early nineties when you had to become a destination point for a bar because DWI laws and, and things of that nature, which are critical, made people sensitive. So that was my first, you know, entree into entrepreneurship. I did a couple, I call them side hustles, you know, early on, but that was my first, you know, true running setting up a, a corporation, meeting with an attorney, meeting with the bank, meeting with the insurance. And I really learned the value of building strong relationships and understanding supply chain with our distributors. So that was my first entree. Uh, again, I was 23 years old and, and my, my dad was my mentor and weekly staff meetings, weekly update meetings regards to financials, construction and things of that nature. So I was very blessed and fortunate to be able to one, watch and be part of an atmosphere with my, my mom and dad and I quickly learned that it takes two to be successful in terms of understanding the role within the company. And it goes right back to the parallel that we started with in sports. Can't have, everyone can't be a quarterback. Everyone can't be a wide receiver. Everyone can't be a center on a hockey team. You have to understand your strengths and play to that. Yeah. So RJ, so how different it is to run uh, an equipment finance, uh, you know, financial service company, which is owned by a banking group from running that family-owned bar, this one million revenue? Well, it, it's, it's very similar in terms of the foundation of, of running any successful business. The, the difference is that when you're an entrepreneur, everyone has someone to answer to, right? I had my dad back then to answer to. Today, I have a boss and a board of directors I, I answer to. So it, it's very similar other than now I'm working and we're going to talk about this. I'm working now within the foundation and structure of another company, which is unified, but it's the same uh, attributes in terms of entrepreneurship, resourcefulness, being creative, you know, managing KPIs and, and things of that nature. So there, there's, again, there's, and, and if you can run a restaurant, I was talking about this yesterday with a buddy. If you if you can run a successful restaurant, and we were far from successful from a restaurant perspective, we were break even. But if you're able to do that, you pretty much can run any business due to the fact that there's just so many different elements in a restaurant business that, that can go wrong or, or, or can go well. So again, I ended up in equipment financing by accident, but I'm, I'm glad I'm here. And my true why is that I'm able to help businesses across the country acquire the equipment that they need for their business. And that that's what drives Unify. That's what drives myself. That's what drives our, our culture within our organization to be able to help these people acquire vans, yellow iron, any equipment, woodworking equipment that they need to grow their business. And yeah. the stories, and I can go on and on in terms of stories of success stories. And I get chills from that because yeah. again, that was my upbringing. And I saw what it took hard work and I saw what it took to make payroll. And I saw what it took you know, to manage your expenses and your, and your AR and things of that nature. So I can relate when I'm dealing with business owners and, and understand the hard work 
that it takes to, to run a successful business. Yeah, I think equipment finance is a great business. I like the idea of uh, an entrepreneur being able to borrow money to grow their business without having a, a piece of uh, property to pledge to or you know, giving a personal guarantee and signing their life away uh, to a bank. It's a much more it's it's a much more constructive way of of financing uh, financing companies. So I, I really love this idea. Yeah, and so what we try and do too to to elaborate on that a little bit, we just try and take friction out of the system because time is of the essence. The one thing that every entrepreneur, manager, CEO doesn't matter the title. We all have limited amount of time, and in the world we live in, we're asked to do more and more. So what we what we've tried to develop and continue to improve on is just taking that friction out of the system when especially now with the supply chain, people need to move extremely quick or the dealer will sell that piece of equipment from underneath them. Uh, and you can't blame them because it, it, they have to, they have to move, move the, the, the equipment. So we've taken that friction to be extremely quick. We're all digital in terms of documentation or uh, credit application, documentation, invoicing. So you can pretty much do everything, a transaction right on your iPhone or, or your phone or tablet the old the old fashioned way of doing business and that that's what business owners want and desire and and that's that's we've been a leader in that aspect and again I'm not knocking a bank they just move at a different uh, sense of urgency than what we do because we have two elements we have the the customer who wants to get the piece of equipment and then we have a dealer that's selling the equipment that wants their cash wants their money to ensure that they're going to be paid for that piece of equipment. So we're, we're pleasing really two parties and trying to give both parties a great experience. Yeah, yeah, you're oil, oiling the wheels of capitalism. I, lo- I love that. So so let's take a step back and talk about how you built this business. I mean, you went from 30 million to 80 million, 79, uh, exactly, I think. Mm-hmm. I looked at your yep. LinkedIn profile, it was really interesting. And you know what were some of the resources that helped you? And, and specifically, I'm thinking about the management blueprint idea, the, the were there any frameworks or authors that inspired you, that gave you some tools that you could execute, use to execute uh, your, your business growth? So I was fortunate enough that the business was uh, actually started in 1978, and I'm the second president CEO, and I joined in 2013. So I had very large shoes to, to fill in terms of lead, from a leadership perspective. But the good news is that I had a, a team in place, a foundation in place that really just needed to be re-energized and refocused of who we wanted to be and where we wanted to go. And then the Bank of Ann Arbor allowed us to be able to do that because they provided the capital to be able to go out and grow. And the value to the Bank of Ann Arbor, which is based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, they had a small footprint and they were just from a geography perspective, limited. For Unify, I gave them the opportunity to be national and deploy capital across the country and help businesses. Again, we're a commercially focused institution. So when I came in, really my, my first step, you know, I went through a, a process and, and that's the, the ABLE process that I mentioned on my website. A is for analyze. So really just come in and understand. And this actually started before I joined the organization. I called employees of the organization. I called former or, or current partners of the organization. And I tried to do all my research and due diligence to start building what that plan might be, that blueprint. And that takes anywhere between 90 to 120 days because the last thing you want to do as a new leader or a new person that walks into an organization is start making changes without understanding what's already been built. And there was a great foundation already in place that I needed to leverage after I did my analyzing and things of that nature, as well as building relationships internally with the people that were already 
in place and they were long tenured employees. I inherited, you know, employees that were with the organization from day one from 1978. And then all of a sudden they were acquired and then all of a sudden a new president comes in. So there was a lot of change already taking place. So I had to be consistent and, and it's hard work, Steve, as you know, or anyone that, that knows there's trials and tribulations. And then we went through a rebranding, a new platform in terms of uh, what what was needed for the business and investment and the bank provided us that that investment. But as soon as we as soon as we built and understood what we wanted to do, I use the the metaphor that we were a restaurant when I first joined. Okay. We found the corner to open our restaurant. We were willing to serve anyone anything. If you came in, Steve, we were excited to have you and we we're going to give you a great experience. And it didn't matter if you wanted a steak, pasta, Thai, sushi, we were going to do our best to provide you a great experience. But over time in 14 and 15 and 16, we started to realize what we were good at. And what we were good at is being a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And we really focused on becoming that steakhouse to ensure that we gave the best experience. And what that did for us is it allowed us to leverage, and that's the L part of ABLE, leverage and execute on being the best steakhouse that we could be. So we were able to buy our inventory cheaper, be able to cook the steaks quicker, be able to give that customer a better experience. And that's that taking the friction out of the system. And that's where we were able to build, grow from 13 million to 35 million to 70 million. And now this year we'll do close to hundred million. So it's just continuing always tweaking and, and you can take ABLE and just keep continuing to do it over and over again with any process within your organization or an organization as a whole is, you know, analyze, blueprint, leverage, execute. And that's just a continuous cycle. Okay, so I I want to ask a little bit more about this ABLE framework, but first I want to reflect to something what uh, really uh, uh, important that you said, that you said that the team, there was a great team already, but they just needed to be energized, and and, and maybe that's the L, you you needed to leverage that team, Mm -hmm. and you know, this is also what I, I find a lot of times I walk into a company and sometimes the owners feel that, ah, no one is helping them, and they have to make all the decisions, and you know, the, people are not proactive and they have to take all the initiative. But what I sometimes find is that people are actually, there's a pent up energy in this company that is waiting to be released. And they, they do want to be more proactive. They do want to take more action. They, they're willing to work harder. If only someone gave them a purpose and a vision and a clear structure on how they can be successful and I think this is this is you know this is what a leader is supposed to be doing: it, releasing that pent up energy, giving that structure, giving that direction to people, so that they can be successful as well as as everyone else in the company that wants to push things forward. I can I completely agree with that. And the the other the other piece of the of the analyzing is analyzing the strengths of your of your current team that either you're walking into a business or I walked into this business or any other business is understanding the strengths. And then also having that dialogue with the team in place of one, you know, current objectives Two, how do you like those current objectives? And then three, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What, what is you, what do you feel is your strength? And I had to have those conversations and then really rearrange some things. You know, you go back to the old, you know, good to great on the bus, make sure people are on the right seat. I had to rearrange some people and and move people to where they wanted to be and what they wanted to do and then leverage that and then go out and recruit and bring people in to fill the the other places in the organization. And again, we're far from perfect. 
I don't want to, I don't want to mislead anyone. You know, we work at it every single day. You know, we try and be transparent as we can with the team and, and allow ownership. And I will say during COVID, it really uh, uh, produced incredible results in terms of the ownership within the company, because to your point, we knew what we were doing. We knew who we wanted to serve. We knew where we were going. We knew how to do things. And during that time, we earned a lot of business because a lot of other institutions, and they continue to do, pull back or they use what's going on as an excuse not to provide the same level of customer service. And again, that's a culture built within and the culture is driven by the team members. As a leader, I can I can say and lay out a vision. However, it comes down to that, that E piece, the execution of the team and driving the culture and buying in. And I always say this to my team and I say it to other people as well. If you don't feel that you want to be part of this team, that's okay. Come and let's have that conversation, figure out where you want to go and we'll help you get there. We'll, we'll help you get to where you want to, where, where you want to be in your career. And we've, we've helped people. And I'm a firm believer in that. It's, it's, you have to be happy and be satisfied of, of what you do on a daily basis. So, so RJ, so talking about able blueprint, and you have a website, RJ Grim Show, where people can, can look this up. Mm-hmm. I'm particularly interested. Uh, so we have analyze blueprint and then leverage. So, uh, and execute. So, so what about the leverage? So what is your conception of leveraging? What is the, what is the it's idea? A loaded, it's and, a loaded question. Process? Yeah, yeah, it's a loaded question. It's, it's a big word. It's a big word, but primarily if you break it down to the Cliff Notes version, it, it's really the, the, the blueprint after analyzing, and it doesn't matter what business is it, it is, but the blueprint is where you're asking, or excuse me, the analyz, analyzing is you're asking those questions to understand, go to market, you know, margins. Again, that's a loaded question. And then you build out the blueprint with the buy-in from the team. It's just not RJ or the, the platform. It's the buying of the team and they're really building that blueprint. And the leverage piece is after you've built it, and I'll just use standard operating procedures, SOPs. You build out the SOPs and then you're leveraging against the SOPs on what you should be doing on a daily basis. And then, and I'm using a lot of acronyms here, but I'm a firm believer in them. And then it's what what are you committing to the marketplace? You know, your service levels, what are what are you? promoting and, and how are you going to live by on a daily basis? And if you leverage back to leveraging that. So it's just always leveraging different things and then deciding if if there's an SOP that needs to be fixed or or enhanced, you shouldn't be leveraging that. You take that out, right? And and not and not leverage that. So and and also look at technology needs. Technology is such a critical point and part of every business. Look at what happened yesterday and how many people scrambled yesterday when Facebook went down and Instagram and WhatsApp. No one had a plan B. There was businesses, and I've I've been a firm believer of this. Um, YouTube's been amazing, right? So many people are are back to leverage, using leveraging YouTube to build their brand. And a lot of people, folks, are now earning a very significant earning, a lifestyle off of YouTube. But what if YouTube went away tomorrow? They have no control over that. Same thing with Facebook. So you have to be an omni-channel or use omni-channels to be able to build your business and revenue and things of that nature. And if you're just relying on one platform, I would highly recommend find an alternative and start bringing some of your folks you know, to, to that alternative as well. Because it, who knows if it ever went down again, 
Um, it was just interesting to watch yesterday when that took place. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's uh, you cannot rely on a single. Uh, Dan Kennedy said that one is the worst number in business. One of anything dependence on one a single salesperson or a single sales channel or a platform or a single supplier can all sink you if if they they go down and you don't have control over them or they become unreasonable they set unreasonable terms talking about restaurants i, I had a friend who who ran a very successful restaurant uh, in budapest in uh, downtown budapest uh, in hungary and they had a good run for 10 years and the uh, they had the 10 year lease and when the lease was up the owner of the property, uh, I think, over more than doubled their lease, like two and a half time, and essentially took away their profits. And they, you know, they they hang, you know, they extended for a couple of years, but then they closed the restaurant down because mm-hmm. it's no longer uh, a good business because they were dependent on that single location and that landlord and didn't own the, own the property. Which so is a, that, which is which is very unfortunate, but it, it probably happens more than. You know, especially in good times when when landlords are are able to do that. Um, uh, but it's it's we always are analyzing our revenue streams at Unify to ensure because even over the last eight years we've saw we've seen and experienced so an evolution of some relationships come and go, and it's always our job to ensure that we have a pipeline full of alternative opportunities and however we want to be proactive with that to your example the last thing you want to do is go out and start trying to renegotiate rents or find a new property when you're at when when you're down to the wire because that's not an abundant mindset that's a scarcity mindset and that's a whole nother conversation of of how you know when you're working on your business yeah so uh so rj uh on our previous conversation uh, we talked about uh, inspirations and and people that uh, influenced you uh, earlier in your career, and you, you also you know, showed this book that you really liked. Uh, and we both agree that Peter Drucker is a great uh, is a great catalyst of the whole management and uh, and business building movement from from the fifties onwards. Um, and you mentioned the book, uh, The Effective Executive. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what you took away from this book, uh, what were a couple of ideas that you felt like were instrumental in you building Unify? Well, there, there's so many. And, and uh, you know, th- this book is aged, as you can see, I, I've I've had it a long time. And, and it's one of those books that, that I go back to all the time. And, you know, I, I read this for the first time probably 20 years ago when I was in corporate America, just starting my, my leadership aspirations. And you know, so many things, but, you know, one of the quotes that I love from, you know, multiple books, I'm not sure if it's in this book or not, is management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things, right? And that's discipline on a daily basis of the activities as a leader that you're doing. And another great book that I absolutely love is The E-Myth. And mm-hmm. it's a simple principle. Is, yeah, yeah. Peter, as you know, you know, you want to work on the business and not in the business. And that's hard to do when you're that business owner at times, you have to be extremely disciplined and build that, build that model. Um, As well as I talk to our management team and our leadership team about that as well. Uh, You know, we, we call them big rocks and and what big rocks are you working on a quarterly basis? Because it's very easy to get tied up just in the minutiae on a daily basis. 
And then as well as, as income goes up or investment goes up on a, on a team member, we, we discuss return of that investment. We're fine with investing, but however, with that, we want to return on making the better, the business better. But again, you know, Peter Drucker is, is, is one of my all-time favorites, you know, entrepreneurship. And one of the other quotes he mentions is, you know, um, the, the entrepreneur always searches for change, but Mm -hmm. then exploits the opportunity. And that's very similar to the topic of entrepreneurship. You know, it's that same mindset that you utilize that an entrepreneur is always looking for improvements is always is the mind, their mind is always racing and thinking about how they can do things and ask, you know, why, why, why? And that was one thing that I did when I came into, into Irvin and Unify, um, uh, Steve was, I, I would always pose the question, can you tell me why we do it like this? And I'm not saying it's wrong. I just want to learn and understand it. And what, by asking it that way, it lowers the, the wall of, okay, he's trying to, or she's trying to critique me or they're trying to, no, I just want to understand it. And then what ask questions, probing questions. And it pushes people out of their comfort zone at times when you start asking those probing questions, yeah. which is good. Which is, may, which is, which is yeah, good. They may not be asking their, themselves these questions and just doing things because it's always been di- done that way, but maybe it's, not, maybe it's not the best way of doing things. Well, and I also use, again, the example of at your house, right? You, you become unsensitive to things in your house. And when someone walks in for the first time, they can say, well, geez, that wall needs to be painted or boy, that carpet needs to be replaced. You become unsensitive to those things. Yes. And the other saying I say is you can't see the label from inside the jar. And when you're inside the jar, you can't see that label. So you have to pull yourself up and above or outside and then look at things from a different perspective. And it is hard. It, I am not, it is very, very, very hard to yes. do that, but success, you'll find successful entrepreneurs and successful people in their lives. You know, that that's one of the traits and traits that they have. Yes. And Peter Drucker actually talks about the, the process of creative destruction and, how, you know, how important it is uh, to actually, uh, this is what we call disruption these days, when you uh, create a product that will destroy an existing mainstream product by being maybe cheaper or more effective or more cost effective. And you create the new by destroying the old. Uh, so that's also a big, uh, a big concept. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You talk about entrepreneurship, and there are different definitions of entrepreneurship. I, I heard one where someone works in a big company and they run their own uh, uh, unit in this company, and they feel like they can. This was my concept of entrepreneurship when I was working in a big bank. I felt like I was an entrepreneur because I had, a, you know, I was fairly autonomous. I was running my own department. Until uh, the plug was pulled on me and I was pushed out and suddenly I realized I was not an entrepreneur. I was just an employee without a job. So, but your definition of entrepreneur is much better. So what is your, your entrepreneurship? How, what do you mean by it? Well, and there's, to your point, there's several different definitions and it means different things for, for, for different people. But I believe a true entrepreneur, when you identify one, is, is a person that is willing to go back and ask those questions. Why, why do we do it like this? And they have that mindset. And there's, there's five things that to identify an entrepreneur within your company. And that's ownership mentality. They want to, they're going to own their piece of the business. Mm-hmm. They also are, are people that are, are life learners 
and um, everyone in your audience is watching this because they're a life learner, just like mm -hmm. you and I, and they want to get better. They have a passion for life. They have a passion for business. They're a calculator risk taker. That's why they're an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur. They are a risk taker, but they'd rather take that risk within the environment of another company. And then they're always looking for, you know, process improvement. And that's a pre Peter back to Peter Drucker. You know, he had a quote, efficiency is doing better, but you've uh, what is already being done. So it, it falls in the line as an entrepreneur. Now, there's key things that have to mesh with an entrepreneur in the company. They have to believe in the company. They have to believe in the culture. They have to believe in the vision or it doesn't work because you're going to get discretionary effort from that entrepreneur because they're more engaged and they're, they're higher functioning than what I call a vital employee. Okay, they're they're they are very instrumental in the growth. And I actually think it's more important for smaller businesses to identify entrepreneurs within their organization versus big companies, because within big companies, they're typically doing a innovation and and different different things, which are, again, are, are very, very important. But my message is more around the the smaller companies that need to stay out in front of the curve specifically what we just experienced. Okay. But also you can look at all the failures of companies, look at Blockbuster, look at Borders, you know, look at Kodak, how many companies that just did not innovate or do anything. And now they're realizing that. And there's so many products that were built from that. The Post-it Notes is a, was developed through an entrepreneurship program. Um, Johnson and Johnson has an entrepreneurship program. So I'm trying to educate the small to medium-sized businesses that they can do the same thing. And it's just not around products. It's not around the next post-it note. It's not about the next product, but it's around about the people. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I love that uh, ownership mentality, life learner, passion for life and business, calculated risk takers, process improvers. So this is, uh, I mean, yeah, this is a dream employee uh, right there. If you can find and they're people, out there, they they I, we have them at Unify, and you can't have an organization, Steve, with all entrepreneurs. That doesn't work either, course, right? Yeah. It'd it'd be like everyone's an in, uh, an entrepreneur trying to run the. It doesn't work. It's back to that teamwork and understanding that. But if you can identify two or three, or sometimes just one, that magical one person, yeah, it's it's fun to watch. And I have an I actually have I had a, a younger gentleman that work for us, no longer with us. And this is one of the fears of identifying an entrepreneur because they are so self-driven and life learner. Sometimes they feel they outgrow the organization and seek something else, which yes. I'm fine with. I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm good and, with that. Yeah. And I think this is one of the reasons why organizations have uh, essentially no choice but grow because if they want to keep these kind of people, they have to be able to give them an opportunity and they can only do it if they keep growing. Uh, if they don't, then they're gonna lose these people and they're gonna end up with their the mediocre people and they just kind of become a mediocre organization. So it's sometimes people would like to freeze things. You know, you're, you're successful, you're making a couple million dollars, high margin, small companies are often high profit margin because they found their niche. And they just want to stay there, you know, and, and turn it into a lifestyle business. But then it doesn't work because they lose the momentum of growth. They lose the people that actually created that organization, or it just remains the, the founder and they have to do everything themselves. So that 
that doesn't, and that doesn't work. That, that goes against the E-myth because they're doing everything themselves. And at the end of the day, we know what's going to happen there. Unfortunately, they're going to yes. get burnt out. And yes. and the, the, the value that they were trying to provide to the world now is not being provided. So it's actually a sad situation. It is. It is. So uh, so lots of uh, information. I, I think we should stop here because it's going to be difficult for people to absorb uh, and take away. Less is sometimes more. Uh, so we talked about the ABLE uh, framework that you have created, and uh, and I think it's rjgrimshow.com, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where else can people learn uh, about your work? Um, how can they connect with you? I, I would say that um, if you just Google RJ Grimshaw, uh, you, you'll find videos. Um, I, I talk about a lot of different topics. One of my other passions is social media and brand awareness, a lot about entrepreneurship. Um, but rjgrimshaw.com is my ma main website. For equipment financing, our website is teamunify.com, uh, T-E-A-M-U-N-I-F-I.com. I'm on Twitter, RJG Coach, uh, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty much on all social media. Just, again, just trying to give back and, and, and give to the world. I've been blessed with great experiences, uh, learn from a lot of people, and just trying to, to share those experiences. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your, your wisdom. Uh, RJ and uh, to our listeners if you enjoyed the show please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and subscribe on YouTube and stay tuned because next week we'll have another exciting uh, entrepreneurs with interesting management blueprint ideas and concepts bring, uh, that they will bring to you thank you uh, thank you for joining and RJ thanks for uh, joining us as well thanks Steve appreciate it